Welcome back to another episode of the Hoopers Almanac. Mitchell Sell and I are breaking down the All-Star Game starters. They were just announced just a few days ago. So we'll be talking about each of those 10 players and discussing whether we think those were warranted and well-deserved or if we think maybe they made the wrong decision there. We're also going to be breaking down our top 10 centers in the NBA, our last position here, um, closing out our top 50 players, essentially, which we might might end up going back and ranking them. Who knows? We might, we might put that out on social media or something, because I feel like that might be a two-hour podcast. So we, we don't want to give you all that content, that much content, but we're going to be breaking down the top 10 uh, big men for you as well. So lots in store on today's podcast. Hope you all enjoy. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back at the Hooper's Almanac. Mitchell Sell and I had taken a one-week hiatus, so we are sorry about that. But we did go on another podcast, actually, uh, which we shared on our Twitter uh, that was called Game Blouses, which if you listen to that, you'll recognize a voice that was on this podcast earlier, Andrew Carlson. Um, he's hosting alongside his buddy Carl Baltimore, um, a, a good podcast. So we, we had the pleasure of going on, Mitch. That was a fun time last week, and I know we shared that on the Twitter, but um, what, what were your thoughts on, on that experience? Honestly, I felt bad because I, I was the reason we didn't have a podcast last week. Uh, I'm going to blame myself and only myself. Um, so to at least put something out there for the people, you know, that was good, but honestly, it was fun. Uh, if you go to listen to it, we talk about just like the all time, like starting five from each like de- of the past, like four decades. And if anyone who knows me, I just love NBA history. Um, and so just to be able to talk uh, about that is always great. Um, so I had a blast. Um, it was good. It was cool to meet Carl for the first time. And then, you know, always good to catch up with our boy, Andrew Carlson. So um, yeah, I had a blast with it. Yeah. It was a Carl squared podcast. We always call <laughs> Andrew Carlson, Carl too, uh, quite a bit. So yeah, it was a, uh, it was really tough to get the names right there, but yeah, it was a great time. My uh, decade was the two thousands, which had the most players when we made our top five all time, starting five across the four decades um, my 2000s had three of the five. So right. I was very proud of that. That was a lot of fun talking about that and um, debating some guys like Jason Kidd um, and others. So yeah, it was a good time. Go check that out. Game blouses. I'm sure it won't be the only crossover episode we do. Um, looking forward to having those guys on again. Absolutely. Well, yeah, no, and I was thinking about, it. I mean, we have four different teams and both are all four of them are in four different kind of like situations right now. And so we'll probably have them come on whenever we have like trade deadline, whenever that comes around, or even as we get, get closer to the end of the year when there's a playoff push. Uh, but it all kind of came up whenever we were talking, like, you know, making all star all time starting fives, whenever the all-star selection kind of got released. And so Aaron and I thought, why don't we just talk about, you know, like review a little bit with the all-star uh, starters being released, uh, you know, in the Eastern conference, we had, uh, DeMar DeRozan and Trey Young uh, for the guards. And then when it came to the uh, front court uh, for the Eastern Conference, we had Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid. I mean, Aaron, when you look at that Eastern Conference all-star s- starter selection, I mean, what did you think? Did you think that they missed? I mean, was there anyone you would rather have seen on it? Or do you think they just hit it perfectly? Well, I mean, part of this analysis goes back to our podcast 
I think it was two podcasts ago, we broke down our predictions right. for the All-Star Game starters. And I went back and looked at my selections, and I was 8 of 10, 4 of 5 in each side. I don't know how you did um, if you look back at that. Yeah, I was 9 of 10. 9 of 10. And your difference there was Andrew Wiggins. No, my – yeah, the difference being Andrew Wiggins because I had all five right. starters on the West. Uh, the Eastern Conference, I just couldn't have Trey Young. I just couldn't keep yeah. voting Trey Young. And so I had Zach Levine instead of him um whenever i was doing my like predictions for it my voting was different but whenever i was doing my predictions uh i thought zach Levine. i thought it should have been a bulls backcourt um but apparently we reward bad uh teams i mean good players on bad teams here uh in in the nba yeah i had i i disagree strongly with the andrew wiggins selection well no i I don't i don't yeah i agree with you on i agree that shouldn't be andrew wiggins however i predicted it would because i felt like the nba public being like me was voting it if it's like an actual starting lineup yeah because it was tough like because they already have a a natural center in Jokic, and so it's again like my my choice would have been paul george who's currently hurt and maybe that played a factor in him not being selected of like right are we going to select this guy honorary, like as an honorary starter, and then he's not going to play? Like, that seems kind of stupid. Why are we going to go through that whole PR, like branding? Oh, Paul George, all-star starter. He's not going to play. You know, that just seems like a kind of mess. And then you have the side of things where if you put Cat in there, then you essentially have two centers. Yeah. Um, now, Cat, you could say on in the right situation, maybe he's a power forward. Um, if they ever get another center in Minnesota, which – Going back to our conversation with Andrew Carlson, that's something I think he'd be interested in seeing because Carl Anthony Towns plays so much in the perimeter now. Mm-hmm. I just think statistically and the meaning of those two players for their teams, they're way more valuable. I don't think – I mean, Andrew Wiggins has had a great season, don't get me wrong, but he's maybe the fourth most important player on that team. And you're saying he's a top five player in that conference? Um, I just don't think those numbers add up. Um, I mean, I was even looking back at like Michael Porter Jr.'s numbers last year. He had better numbers last year than Andrew Wiggins did this year. So, but that standard, like there's no way in hell Michael Porter Jr. is going to be an all-star game starter. And part of that's due to the environment. Like, you know, lots of guys have had down years, injuries, so on and so forth. But I think you maybe even could have put like a Devin Booker in there being you know one or two seed in the west i feel like he might have been more deserving again you get into the nomenclature of is he a guard is he a forward but i don't think that's any reason for keeping out a better guy just because you're worried about a position like at the end of the day it's the all-star game they're all flowing and playing free basketball and they're not really playing position basketball at all like it's just fast breaks and shooting three pointers until the fourth quarter so um I understand why they did it just by the position, but I I'm still very upset about that selection. Albeit, I'm happy for Andrew Wiggins. I just think that was a bad selection. I yeah, I'm with you. I being I don't want to say like I'm just I'm annoying in this way because I keep thinking like if I'm making a roster, that's like what I kind of go to. I'm like I don't think cat and joel and uh nicole Jokic would fit well on a basketball court together just because and so that's what my of course my brain goes to um and to be honest with you while being selected on an all-star team is great what means more to me is when you get selected onto an all nba team and so when you look back at like history i mean i'm looking more so at like all nba if you made like an all nba team than all-star selections um and so 
Andrew if Andrew Wiggins making an All Star being selected an All Star starter does not change anything for me until unless he makes an All NBA team. So um, that's so that's what and so I know when we did our awards podcast like when we talked about like where we were with our over unders, uh, we didn't really get into our All NBA like selections or anything like that. Andrew Wiggins isn't even touching an All NBA like first, second, or third team at all. No. So so there I do agree with you on that. The fact that he, he, if he's not selected for that, he shouldn't be an all NBA. I mean, he shouldn't be an all star starter. But with due to the fact with there, there being that many injuries at that position right now, it kind of just hits or miss. So you really just kind of get screwed over with what's going on in that kind of situation. Yeah, injuries. And I think the West is down overall this year. I mean, I think it's relatively top heavy right now in those top mm-hmm. three teams. Uh, Memphis, surprising everybody, number three seed in the West and a strong Wild. number three seed. Like, they're not fading. It appears that this no. is not a fluke. I think they'll be a top five seed in the West come season's end. Uh, I mean, they've been completely impressive. And then you have Golden State and Phoenix. But yeah. when you look at those rosters, like there's not a forward really that stands out on either of those teams. Maybe you maybe you say Andrew Wiggins. Honestly, I would have rather seen Draymond Green on this list than Andrew Wiggins. I think Draymond Green is way more important to that team than Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you look at the points and all that, like – Oh, right. no, I don't disagree with you on that. I think, yeah, like, Draymond's and assists, defensive numbers. Like, I think Draymond would have been a great All-Star game starter. I don't know if he's ever been a starter in the All-Star game, which is honestly kind of shocking. I understand he's not flashy at all in terms of scoring, and that's probably why he hasn't made it. But I, I would have liked to see him over Andrew Wiggins, his own teammate. Um, as I said, Devin Booker. But other than that, like, the West has been relatively down. I mean, you could maybe say Luka Doncic in a regular year. The Mavs have been disappointing. Uh, the Blazers have been down. But again, like both of their stars are guards. You talked about the injury to uh, Anthony Davis. I mean, he would have been a natural guy that you could have put, a, put in that four spot um, to fill that that last forward position. And he's right. been hurt most of the year, so he wasn't eligible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's maybe only two or three other guys that makes sense based on the current injuries and the current performance of these teams. But I think when you just go like, is this guy better than X, Y, Z? Like he's maybe 10th on the list. So, yeah, no. And Draymond, Draymond made it once. I remember there was one year where like the Warriors had three guys and the, and everyone was whining because the jazz had zero. Uh, and I can't remember what year it was now or something like, but like the fact that Donovan Mitchell didn't make it one year and they had Draymond clay and Steph all make it. People were whining about that. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're throwing br- darts at a brick wall right now, and so it, we both are. We both feel the same thing that Wiggins shouldn't be the starter, but it's with the state of the Western Conference. What was the one you missed on in the East? I had Jimmy Butler in there um, as oh. my last forward, so I had the backcourt correct, and DeRozan and Trey Young. I had KD and Giannis. I mean, now Embiid is the most deserving, and he's actually a true five, so that makes sense from a lineup right. perspective. Um, but at the time, I didn't think Embiid's performance. I mean, that was a couple weeks ago. He was coming out of an injury. Like, he had a couple so-so games. And this past couple weeks, like, he's been on fire and right. has been generating MVP conversation. So, like, he's deserving now for sure. I think he should be a starter. But I had Jimmy Butler at that point. And the Heat have been right. playing great. I mean, when you look at the, the where they are in the standings, like, the Heat are number one in the East right now, I believe. Yep. Um, so I think that played a role for me too. It's just the, the t- performance of the team and getting, see if I can get a starter um, from that great team. Whereas the Sixers have been really up and down this year. So 
that was part of my rationale. But at the time of now, at, at selection time, I think Embiid was deserving. I yeah, I I was gonna say I I couldn't remember if it was Jalen, but if it was, that would make a lot more sense then. If it was Jimmy Butler instead of Joel Embiid, and then we had Cat on the other side, then we would have had two centers. But I feel like that's another thing. No one wants to watch three centers on the court at the same time whenever the game starts either. So that is very true. Um, what? Who? So we have the All Star reserves that are kind of coming out. They come out this week. Come out. Feb- they're announced February third. Um, what is one surprise you would like to see when it comes to an All Star reserve? Uh, I don't know if this will be a surprise, but I think if Darius Garland doesn't make it from the Cleveland Cavaliers, that'll be heinous. I think oh. he's, I think he should be a lock, but just the fact that it's the Cavs, I feel like he may get some heat here. Um, but I mean, this is voted on by the, uh, by the coaches, these reserves are. So you got to think that these coaches respect the Cavs at this point. I know Giannis came back after the Bucks lost to them a couple days ago and said, you know, the Cavs are pretty for real. Like, this is a legitimate team. Um, Darius Garland's really good. So if those coaches, I assume, have the similar sentiment, he should be an all-star game starter. Um, I think in terms of a surprise, perhaps, um, I mean, somebody, I, somebody I'd like to see would be Chris Paul. I think I think Devin Booker is going to make it for sure. And it's just a matter of if they think Chris Paul is going to be a reserve. I mean, the, the backcourts right. in the West are insane. So... Uh, I mean, you, you have so many other guys to think about. Luca's going to make it. Donovan Mitchell's going to make it, you know, and you start ticking down the list and it gets kind of crowded. So I think, I don't think that's a surprise, but I think Chris Paul should make it. And I think it's a possibility he might get snubbed. I agree with you on the Darius Garland thing. Uh, Rajon Rondo came out today and said he's the best closer I've ever played with. I am wildly dumbfounded whenever I read that today. I mean, he's played with, Paul Pierce. He's played with some, I mean, some great guys. I mean, some incredible players. He played with LeBron James. I mean, and Darius Garland was a better closer. I mean, so wild stuff. And so I agree with you. Darius Garland should make that. I also, one Western conference guy I'd like to see based on how well he's played this year is DeJounte Murray. I love him, love him so much. And every part of me knows that the Spurs would never trade him in any sort of fashion, but I want the Celtics to go get him. But there's no way we do it because we can't trade. We won't trade three draft breaks for him. Um, but I love DeJounte Murray. I love what he does for the Spurs. I mean, he's the only person on the Spurs that I enjoy watching, and it's not even close. So I am so I would be I'd be sad if he doesn't make it. I know the likelihood that he does it, I mean, the likelihood that he makes it is very low due to the fact that the Spurs are also trash. Uh, but if Trey Young's making it, why can't why can't DeJounte Murray? Yeah, I think Murray deserves it. I think LaMelo Ball could be another guy um, sort of on the fringe. I think he right. deserves it. The Hornets have played really well this year. Right. Again, a young team, but he's by far their most important and best, most talented player. Um, so I think he maybe deserves a spot too. Um, that might be one where like the fans are more high on LaMelo Ball than coaches right. are. So you, you always wonder how that works if he's a bench player. I'd imagine at some point in his career is going to be an all-star game starter too. Um, so his time is coming. But I, I, I would really like to see LaMelo in an, in an all-star game. He'd be fun just to throw lobs up too. Oh, yeah. I mean, from like he'd be fun to have throw lobs up because, I mean, he would just, he's just so creative. And so he's an artist when it comes to passing. I mean, it's not – it's there's no argument with that. So I agree with you. He should uh, be on – 
he should he he should be a reserve for the East. I mean, and I think coaches will just realize that this. I mean, the All Star game isn't anything serious anymore. It's no longer determining. It, it doesn't determine like home court advantage like the MLB used to. So I think it'd be, I think it'd be fun just to have him in there. Did you hear about the new um, freshman sophomore? I don't know if they're still calling it the Rising Stars game, but did you hear Rising about the new Stars format for that? Yeah, I did, and I like that. Yeah, that's going to be really fun. They're doing like a mini tournament. I forget yep. how many players are in each roster. but Seven. Seven, right. So you have two bench guys, um, and you play. It's like a group of four teams, and it's some, you pull some guys up from the uh, G League. G League. And then you have, obviously, first and second year players in the NBA. So that'll be a really exciting chance for especially the G League guys. Like we've seen so many G League guys like Jalen Green, Mm-hmm. be such high prospects like this is the t- their time to shine and like mm-hmm. show how they can compete with nba players that can you imagine if Jalen green would have competed against some of these guys last year he might have been the number one overall pick um yeah like who, who knows i mean this is a great chance for those guys to boost their stock and it's nice that it's actually going to be a competitive um format as well with this mini playoffs so i'm really excited for that i think that was a great decision i couldn't tell you the last time i watched a rising stars game it, it might have been it, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I think the last t- one – I watched the Trey Young, Luka Doncic one. I mean, you everyone watched that one. But I think the one – the last time I watched that before that was the John Wall whenever he was a rookie. I think it's I watched a- the one with Dion Waiters and whoever he was going up against bucket to bucket for like seven possessions. Do you remember that? I, I – you know what? I remember listening to it. I don't remember watching it, but I remember like – that was when me and my brother were like living in the same room together for like two years, and we had that on. Like, yeah. like my brother had like it on his phone or something like that. I don't, it was, it was, I don't remember who it was though. And it's going to bother me. Yeah. It was Dion waiters and somebody else. And they were just on fire. Like mm-hmm. I haven't thought about Dion waiters in two years, but he was, he was That's great okay. at that time and thought he was, thought he was going to be a decent NBA player at least, but didn't pan out, but excited for this new format, excited for the all-star game. Still a little upset about the Andrew Wiggins selection, but Uh, We will move on. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about our top 10 centers, wrapping up the five positions here. Uh, We'll be right back. Well, like Aaron said, we've done the past four positions already. We've done both guards. We've done done both uh, forward positions. Now it's down to the big men, the centers. Uh, and, you know, during this past uh, week, whenever we recorded with uh, game blouses, uh, Andrew Carlson and Carl, uh, we talked about, you know, the 2010s center, uh, who that would be. And honestly, like none of these guys were, I mean, Jokic and Embiid were mentioned, but honestly you couldn't go with them because they didn't get good until the end. So I'm excited to see who Aaron has as we get going. Uh we talked about it. The amount of European people that make this list for both of us is quite ridiculous. So I'm, I'm excited to see. So Aaron, lead us off. Who you got at number ten for your top ten centers in today's NBA? I got Nikola Vucevic, uh, Cali boy. Actually, he's from Europe, but he went to school in California at USC. Um, his California softness is holding true here on the defensive end of the floor for the Bulls which is why he made my number 10 here. I think on a year-to-year basis, he would be higher. This has been one of his worst years in the NBA. Right. 
That being said, he still has like 20 double doubles. He's been a, a fine player. Um, when he's right, he's a pretty potent offensive player. Good mid-range game, good post game, above average passer. But he just has so many weaknesses on the defense end of the floor that I had to keep him lower here. I do really like his game. And I think if he can improve, he's a valuable piece for this team. But um, I just think his defensive holes uh, make him number 10 here for me. So he's my number 10 as well. Um, nope. He he is – if it was Magic Nikola Vucevic, we'd have a different story. However, we don't. And he is not the number one, not two. not And sometimes I'm in three best player on the Chicago Bulls team. Oh. And so um, it really does play on a night-to-night basis with him and how he's looking. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. He The reason why he's so low on this list is because of his defense. I mean, he is just so slow on defense. And it's just really hideous to watch sometimes, like, there might be games the Bulls don't play him in the playoffs like down the stretch just because of how bad it is. So I, I agree. With, yeah. Yeah. Well, the other guy, the next guy I have on my list at number nine is also not great at defense, but boy, is he just an incredible rebounder and scorer. It's Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, I know. I know. I, the former Denver wow. Nugget. Uh, I had I had him on the list just because, honestly, he has been the one saving grace. I mean, him and Anthony Simons for the Trailblazers this year have been the only saving grace for them this year. And so, I mean, he's had crazy games. I mean, he's had he he's had so many games where he's almost had a five by five, like which is like five points, five rebounds, five steals, five assists, and five blocks, and um, five fouls. That too. Um, <laughs> but, so we got the six by five. Um, but st- seriously, I mean, he he plays such an important role. He is for sure like their third best player. Whenever like when everyone's healthy, and right now he's been their best player, slash second best player for them. So he has been in, he's been very good for them this year. I feel like, and it's it would be, I understand you probably left him off your list, but like he it would be really sad for him not to be like in your top twelve. I agree. He was my number twelve. Um, he was in my honorable mention short list there. Um, I don't I don't hate your pick. I I I personally don't think he's top ten. I'm interested to see who you left off. Um compared to my top 10, but I, I just, this is a defensive question for me. I mean, in the playoffs, he is such a liability, like more than Booch because he can only not guard, but he fouls so much and he gets into foul trouble and then he's out. And then you have to play whoever their ungodly backup is who for the past couple of years has been awful. And he also can't play defense. So when he's right, the Blazers are really good offensive team, but he, uh, I mean, he's he's a solid screen setter for Dame and CJ McCollum. Mm-hmm. He's high IQ basketball player on how he moves in the post as well. Gets to the line pretty well, but I just think he's too much of a liability and is too foul prone on the defensive end of the floor for me. Um, I, I I do think, you know, he's he's a top twelve center in the league, but not top ten for me. So who made number nine? Number nine was Jarrett Allen for me. Um, Jarrett Allen. So high. High as in like high like sh- yeah, Like a high number. My old Lord. Okay, I have Jarrett Allen at number nine just because his offensive ability. I mean, he doesn't have much offensive ability other than very low post stuff where he just completely out physical somebody. He's catching a lob or screen and roll. Like he doesn't really have that much of a, a, a shooting game right now at this point. Um, which he hasn't needed to because the Cavs have like three or four of their fours and fives that can shoot threes and Kevin Love, Laurie Markkinen, Dean Wade, some other guys. 
Um, I really like his game. I mean, he's probably a top three defensive center on this list for me. Um, and is super valuable. I mean, he got paid a huge contract a couple years ago and everybody was like, why are you all paying him this much? Like you're the Cleveland Cavaliers. Why would you go out and do this? And uh, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are sitting pretty right now on that decision. I think it was a great decision. I'm still shocked at how they've been able to make it work with five centers, but Jared Allen is their best big man. And he's number nine for me. I think he's going to move up this list in the next couple of years. Once he develops a bit more offensive game, but I think he's too valuable on the defensive end of the floor to be left off. I don't, I agree with you on the offense, but he also, I feel like knows his role on this Cavs team where it doesn't like exceed more than 18 points a game. So I feel like yeah, he, he is the perfect player for any championship team. He would be perfect. And that's why I have him lower on my list and I'll talk about him when I get to him. So if Jared Allen is at number nine, who is number eight? I have Miles Turner at number eight for the Indiana Pacers. I'll say this um, now. Did not make my top 10. Did wow. not touch it. I See, I want you to know that, like, actually, I'll let you go first. I'll let you go first, right. and then I'll, I'll spiel my things. Miles Turner has led the NBA in blocks. I don't know how many years. Um, I would have to go back and look. At least two, probably three or four. I think it's three. Yeah. Um, I mean – and I do think he chases blocks quite frequently. And I would yes. say Jarrett Allen is a much better defender who also can block shots. But the fact that he can protect the rim is it alters your opponent's offense completely. You have to consider that when you're driving to the rim, if you're a small guard, I mean, he, you can plant him in the middle of the lane and he can protect the rim, whether or not he goes out and chases blocks and maybe gets out of position. That's one thing, but most of the time he's making an impact on the defensive of end of the floor. Additionally, I think he's has way higher upside than Jarrett Allen at number nine, just because of his three point shooting ability. I mean, he's really turned into a solid three point shooter every now and then he'll hit the side of the backboard or, you know, one of his shots won't look pretty, but you know, he's, he's a great pick and pop player. He's a, a good combination in my opinion to Sabonis, who I think the Pacers have really just misused that combination over the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think he's a great offensive talent and defensive talent. And I think that says itself that he's a uh, high valued on the marketplace right now for the trade market. I think he's going to be really happy somewhere else. I think he needs to get out of Indiana. Um, but I, I really think he's a top 10 center. I think he does everything you need uh, for a center on both ends of the floor in the modern game. Okay. So you're talking to a guy who I would have loved to have miles Turner on the Celtics about four different times. Why has there never been a trade market for him? Like, why has there why has there been so much hesitancy for teams to go out and get him? And the reason why is don't get me wrong, I think he's a a good defender. I, I agree with you that he has moments where he just definitely goes out there and he just looks to just swat everything in its path. But in it and at that cost, it ruins like the def- defensive switching and like just defensive flow. That ruins the Pacers, and that's why they haven't been a good defensive team for like five, four or five years now. They've been solid, but not good. Um, his offensive sh- his shooting has been – this is one of his better years it's been for him. That being said, he also is very inconsistent when it comes to his shooting because, like, there will be nights where he doesn't want to shoot the ball at all, and then there will be nights where he wants to just throw up 25 shots. So it's just like it really is hit or miss on how well he, you can, like, trust him in an offensive game. However – 
I, I might have been overlooking on how important he is, especially with in today's era in the NBA. You're looking at the fact that he would be a great like stretch five. Um, he has some great moments of just guarding uh, wings and guards, but still there's some quick guys who will still beat him to the rim. Um, yep. I, I'm not mad I left him off my list, but it's just the fact that I have just seen both sides of how good and how bad he can be. And there's just such a high, there's a great ceiling, but that floor can also be just so low. And I like the middle ground. I can get the, the middle, the more average, the law of averages I can get out of other guys uh, when it comes to, when it comes to other centers. Yeah. I mean, he is a relatively volatile player, but I do think in the modern game, he's almost as good as it gets for a non-star at the mm-hmm. five spot. Or, or at the four spot. I mean, I think he could play the four as well. He's pretty mobile. I mean, when I'm looking at these top 10 centers, I think he's maybe a top three shooter when you're just talking pure three-point shooting ability. Um, maybe you're talking like a pull-up mid-range, something like that. I would take other guys on this list. But if you're talking a catch-and-shoot three-pointer, I think he's a top three shooter on this list. And actually, this season, he's only been shooting 33.3%. Couple years ago, he shot up thirty nine percent. Right, um, but he's been thirty three plus percent almost every year of his career. So yeah. I think that's I, I would love that if if my five, which I do, because Nikola Jokic is a pretty good shooter too. Um, I, say. I I love love having a, a, a five who can space the floor. So I think he's I, I think he's an above average center, certainly a top ten for me. Yeah, I want you to know that's why none of the Boston Celtics centers made the list because um, Rob Williams. I was going to be really upset if you had Rob Williams and left off Miles Sterner. So I'm I'm really glad you established that now. (laughs) Yeah, no, I want you to know how hard it was for me to leave Rob Williams off this list. He was he is my honorable mention at number eleven, but my number eight is Jonas Valanciunas, and is a guy who I'd rather have than Miles Turner and a better shooter than Miles Turner, especially this year. Talk about a guy who has in grown so much when at, when he left the Toronto Raptors. I mean, being on the Memphis Grizzlies really helped him out so much. And now, like, kind of having to be the second guy for the Pelicans, whatever, since the Zion has been out. I mean, it's been so good to him. Um, his trade value has gone up so high. So the Pelicans probably won't even try to move him this year. Uh, he has been so good for them. I mean, and he's a very good – I mean – have tw- he's had like so many 2020 games this year when it comes to 20 points 20 rebounds um in a solid defender he had he's he can be slow but he i mean leave him on any wing he can still stay in front of them guards he has trouble staying in front of but still i feel like he is a solid enough defender that you can't you can leave him in during uh the playoffs and any playoff team would lucky be lovely lucky to have him um i feel like he'd be too it would be awful if you left him off your top 10. He's my number seven. Uh, Perfect. Yep. I, I think this is the right place for him. I wanted to put him higher just because I think he's super talented. Um, but it's kind of hard in the New Orleans team that is just right. missing so many pieces that somebody's going to take up stats. And he has done that. But albeit he's remained really efficient. Like it's not like he's just shooting a bunch and putting up 20 points every night. It's he's shooting over 40% from three. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty insane. And his volume's gone up too. Like I said, Miles Turner is one of my top three shooters, pure shooters on this list. I stand by that. Miles Turner's shooting four and a half threes a game, Valanchunas two and a half, but Valanchunas only shot over one three per game average over a whole year once 
right. before this year. So he's almost doubled his three-point attempts and increased his percentage. So yeah. really impressive. He's also got a really good low post game, good mid-range game, above average passer. I think he's a little bit exposable on the defensive end of the floor. Yep. Doesn't really block shots particularly well. Um, but I mean, I think he's a physical guy who can who can bang with a big post postman um, in, in the playoffs if you need to. So I think he's much deserving of a top 10. And I've been really impressed what he's done this year. He's been a muscle man. And I mean, that's yes. and honestly that and the reason I have him high on my list it's empty. It can be empty stats on a bad team. And that's yeah. what it kind of, I kind of feels like right now. I have loved Valanchunas since he's been drafted. I loved him when he was on Toronto. Um, I thought it was blasphemy that they traded him. Um, I understand why you, you have to, I mean, you're getting Marcus all. I mean, I totally understand it, especially with how Gasol was at that time. Um, but even still, I feel like Valanchunas has just done so well since leaving Toronto and, this year, it might be a little bit of an empty stats bat on a bad team, but I, I feel like you can't leave him off. So I love that he's at your number seven. Uh, he's also my, just just a quick another point on Valanciunas. He's also an excellent rebounder. I mean, great rebounder. He's, he's like top five year after year, every single season rebounding. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's led the league. So I mean that that's something that you can't. Some people don't really care about as much, but that's really really important for me. I think, um, and the Pelicans are really small too. Yeah. So the fact that he's able to carry the weight there on the, on the boards is really important. Go ahead. Well, who's, yeah. your number, who's your number seven? Well, no, one final thing on Valanciunas. He's also just tall. I mean, honestly, yeah. he's like seven one. I feel like that's just like, I mean, we, we, we know how few and far between those centers are now. I mean, anyone that's seven one or more and any, and the good ones are the ones we'll mention on this list. Uh, but yeah, uh, my number seven, and it's because of how he's played this year is DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is number seven on my list because people loved DeAndre Ayton during the playoffs last year. Like, overhyped him. Like, people were saying, like, if they started an NBA team, like, he, they're in, they're on their top, his top, like, he's in their top 25 of, like, guys they would want to start an NBA team with. Like, y'all are crazy. Um, it helps that he has Chris Paul on his team. It helps that he has a very good facilitator and good playmaker in Chris Paul and then Devin Booker. Um but I also think just this year it's been it's been different. I mean, he does get – I mean, if it's anything like last year, he's going to get hot coming down the stretch. Um, but as of right now, I think DeAndre Ayton is uh, number seven for me. Quick question, just so I understand this. Did you have Anthony Davis as a five? Did you qualify him as a five? Or did we leave him off, one, because we don't think he's a five, or two, because he's been hurt? I left him off because he was hurt. Okay, excellent. I had him on my list and forgot DeAndre Ayton, so I'm replacing those two. I don't Good, know how because I, I want you to know that like I thought of how much Anthony Davis has played this year, and it's been very little. And yeah. so I was like, I didn't want to think about it, and I I had to really I, that was gonna be my, my my surprise. But honestly, like if we're just talking about it, Anthony Davis is an incredible basketball player when he's not day to day and when he's not hurt for like 20 games a year. So at this point, when we were talking right now in today's NBA, Anthony Davis has not played more than half the games this season. I'm not leaving. I'm not putting him on my list because of that. Uh, we were talking whenever we were starting this list. We were talking about guys who hadn't touched the floor. And you had guys like Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, who hadn't touched the floor when we were making this list. Anthony Davis is not on my list because of that. And that's why I, I don't have him on the list just because of injury. Okay, excellent. Because, I mean, even if we had him on the list, his ranking dropped for me due to his injury history um yeah. i mean i think 
you're looking at this list. I'm not going to say I'd take Jared Allen over Anthony Davis, no. but uh, I might take uh, Rudy Gobert or DeAndre Ayton, uh, to be honest, just because of injury. I'm getting 75 games out of DeAndre Ayton every single year. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to get to him later. I do like the pick a lot. My number six is Rudy Gobert. Um, wow. Yeah. I, okay. Well, I know we both hate Rudy Gobert, so yeah. it makes sense. But go on. I want to hear more about your hatred of Rudy Gobert. You can put me in the Rudy Gobert bear camp. I'm very bearish bear. on Rudy Gobert. Um, and I'm more bullish on a lot of these other guys on this list. I made a note here that I really wanted to put Valanchunas ahead of Gobert. But I couldn't do it because, I mean, Rudy Gobert is the best defensive center in the league and maybe in the last decade. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good as people say he is. I don't think he's deserved two, three, however many defensive player of the years in a row. Um, right. I, I mean, Jokic bodies him every single time they play. And it is right. just like, really, he's defensive player of the year when Jokic dropped 45 on you? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think so. Um, mm-hmm. That's not happened on Gary Payton, Draymond Green, any of the historical great defenders. That's not happening. You don't let somebody drop 45 on you even if he's one of the best players in the NBA. So I think I'm a little bit skeptical of that, but he's really important to that team. I mean, he's the anchor. He's a great rebounder. If you watch the Utah Jazz, nobody on that team can rebound. Like Mm -hmm. he grabs every single rebound. You'll get a few Donovan Mitchell, just super athletic ones. You get some Boyan Bogdanovich here and there. But right. But he's getting 15 a night, it seems like. Um, And you know, he's blocking shots, good defensive end of the floor, and he's a great screener and he creates offense for himself that way. Um, pick it, pick and roll. So I think he's, I mean, obviously a top 10 center. I just have him lower maybe than some other people would. Yeah. I mean, he's lower on my list, but I don't hate it uh, because number six for me is Jared Allen. I, wow. I love Jared Allen, like very much like, I Just do become a, a Cavaliers fan already. We know I, ha- I am. They, I mean, if I because I'd rather I'm watching more Cavs games than I'm watching Celtics games right now. That's basically what it's turned into. Um, I love Jared Allen, but and we'll get to, I'll talk Rudy Gobert whenever he's gets to my list. I'm lower on my list. Uh, I think Jared Allen is the perfect center for many NBA like contenders. Like, if your center is not like if your center is not any of these top five guys, I completely understand. And this should be your next guy. Cause he's not, he's not a go-to score. Doesn't have to be, but he's perfect. Whenever you need putbacks, whenever he, and if he he's a great rebounder for that, he's a great defender can guard just about any position point guards. He has some trouble with, but it makes sense. I mean, shifty guards can beat just about anyone outside of about four, three or four of these top five, honestly. And so what I'm going to say is, is that, he is perfect because he doesn't need he doesn't need the attention or anything like that. He does his dirty work and he knows like what his role is on a team. Why the Nets traded him is beyond me to this day. But good for you and happy that you did it because now I can just bash you more and more uh, for if you're a Nets fan, which there are very few of them. However, I think the Cavs have just lucked out with him. They didn't, and they pretty much were just a throw in to the James Harden trade. And they're like, cool, I'll take a top 10 center in today's league. 
give me it. I will love that. And he's been perfect for them. And it's been a perfect combination for him and Mobley. Like, it's been great. I completely agree. I already talked about Jared Allen, so I'll keep it quick. But I'm picturing him on the Nets right now. And I'm debating on whether it would be an amazing fit or if it would be a lot with James Harden constantly driving to the rim and KD ISO. I feel like it's not the offense for Jared Allen. Like the offense for Jared Allen is a pick and roll, put back, playing around the rim offense. And I don't know if those net stars really are conducive to that, but I agree. Like he fits on almost every single team in the league and he has great energy, great raw athleticism. And he's only going to get better on the offensive end of the floor. So I love Jared Allen. I, I'd rather have Jared Allen over. I mean, hold on. I, I mean, I mean, you're telling me the Warriors would love to have Jared Allen right now. Oh, the Warriors that'd be perfect. Yeah. Right. Well, and the, I would say that James Harden having Jared Allen would just be another a reincarnation of Clint Capella and Jared and and James Harden. That's kind of what I'm thinking of whenever those two would be other. It kind of makes sense with KD, who's uh, just scores at all three levels, but. And he doesn't really – he runs pick and rolls, but, like, it's not, like, to its actual use. He just does it to get switches. Kyrie just does his own thing, so – which is not get vaccinated, but, you know. Um, so, it's – and play three games so far this year. Um, so, it, I think Jared Allen would be perfect for them. However, it's – I'm just in a much happier place and, and mentally just that he's in Cleveland, and so I don't have to worry about that. Um, so, we have a different top five, and I'm just baffled by that, but – Who is your number five then? I have DeAndre Aiden. Um, He might be, outside of Jokic, my favorite center on this list. We love the Suns, so it kind of makes sense. I love the Suns. I'm going to a Suns-Bulls game coming up, not this Monday, but the following Monday, February 7th. So if you're at the game, uh, give me a shout. I'm very excited for that one. I got my Suns gear going. Bought a a shirt today on NBA.com. I've already got my hat. Uh, that I won after winning 900 bucks last year on a Suns game, uh, which they beat Rudy Gobert, the person I already uh, trashed on this podcast. So I'm a big DeAndre Ayton fan. I mean, you talk about a perfect center for every team. I think DeAndre Ayton is that, um, it, you know, assuming you don't want a star to fit in your roster. He is so high energy. I mean, credit to Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul deserves – 90% of the credit for creating what DeAndre Ayton is today. I mean, yes, DeAndre Ayton obviously had the willpower to do so and make himself get better, but Chris Paul is the perfect player to play with. The pick and roll, you get used to setting a million screens a game, mm-hmm. catching lobs. He's also really energetic on the defensive end of the floor, um, running the fast break a lot, and he's also started developing a pretty good jumper. He had a good mid-range jumper last year, but he's starting to extend out a three-point range every now and then. I don't think he needs to do that, but the fact that he even can uh, is pretty awesome. So I love DeAndre Ayton. He's one of the reasons I love the Suns. He just gives 100% effort every single night. feels like in that first quarter of big games, he has like 10 points right off the bat right away and then kind of fades away for second and third quarters and comes back in the fourth. So I'd like to see him put together all four quarters every now and then, but he's awesome. I think he's I'd, – I'd have him over Gobert any day of the week. So – Give me DeAndre Ayton. I also didn't mention this earlier because I I didn't even think about it until now. I mean, he also had the tough task last year of guarding Giannis during the finals, and so I mean, it, I mean he that when you get this low on the list, you're thinking about guys. Okay, who can go toe to toe with the best bigs slash 
Giannis <laughs> whenever it comes like whenever it comes deep into playoff time. So the these like next guys are gonna have to would be like the ones that fit that kind of mold. Uh, my number five is Rudy Gobert. I have Rudy Gobert at number five. So just one spot behind you. Um, I don't, but I think he's an incredible defender without a doubt. Great defender. Doesn't deserve to be defensive player of the year. Should have been Draymond or Ben Simmons or just about anyone else because he can't stay in front of guards uh, or, and that's why the Clippers beat them last year because he could, they literally played him off the floor. It, you can't win the big game. Congrats. Um, but we're talking so far this year, he's been great. He's been – he and Donovan Mitchell being out are the reasons why the Jazz are struggling right now. Um, and they have no defensive uh, image or anchor without him. And you're right, he it, it's a little bit of empty stat rebounds numbers for them because of – without him being on the court. Um, and also just whenever he is on the court, he's their tallest guy. Um, it just seems like uh, it'd, be, it'd be tough to leave him out of top five just because of how good he is at defense. And – uh, whenever minus being Nicole, when minus Nicole Jokic or Joel be going up against them because they both sun him every time. But uh, that being said, he also has like a Miles Turner like idea of like I want to chase blocks every now and then. But it, he also has developed. He has developed a better post game than what he had in earlier years too. And he's my one gripe with Rudy Gobert. Well, one of five at this point. I feel like uh, is how much he whines. Be a big man. Stop whining. All right. You, you. I mean, yes, Nicole Jokic whines, but he also gets slapped and has bruises on his arm after every freaking game. So I don't want to hear it, Rudy Gobert. But so he's my number five. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get to Jokic not getting foul calls later. I don't want to get into that can of worms, but no. he has he has the right to complain. Like if you just even look at the numbers mm-hmm. and not even watch the game, it's pretty absurd. But I mean, that's fair. We have him one spot away from each other. I think generally we don't think he's a top three center, which is important yes. um, in my mind to qualify that. I, yeah, I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on the Frenchman, but uh, that's a fair point. My number four, Mitch, is Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Um, I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves have been in the basement of the West for so many years, and Carl Anthony Towns has been on those rosters. So, I, you can't say he's a winner, but he's really skilled. I mean, he's a great offensive player. He's become a really good shooter this year, too. I am I know Carlson came on the podcast and said he loves how much he's shooting threes. I personally don't like that. I think he's a little bit soft at times. But the fact remains is that he can shoot it very well, and he's mm-hmm. also really skilled in the post, whatever he's end up doing. Um, he's, he's above average in the defense under the floor. I don't think he's nearly as good as Gobert and some of these other guys, but was he was not about like four years ago, something right. switched on him. And then he was like, okay, let me start trying on defense. Right. It was like the Jimmy Butler, like year saw soft sort of deal. Um, but I mean, I, I think he's a great player, great offensive talent. I hope the Timberwolves can figure it out with this roster for his sake. He's put in so much work. I know he lost, one of family members during COVID a couple years ago, if not last year. Um, So he's gone through some hard times as well recently, and he's played fantastic through it. So I'm, I I love watching him play and I think he's going to continue to improve as a player. Yeah. um, So our top fours are same, just a little different orders. Uh, But I do like your cat pick. I'll talk about him a little bit more whenever I get to him. Uh, My number four is Bam. 
I think there's a difference just in how I'm, I think Bam is super important to his Heat team. He does everything for him. The difference between him and Cat is that Bam can isn't as good of a shooter. He has a mid-range game. He doesn't shoot threes, um, but he's a great playmaker. He's a great defender. Um, he is the one center, the one center on this list that can guard every position. He's the one center that can do it, um, which is impressive. So I will give that to him. Um, his di- the difference between him and Cat though is where they kind of rank on how important they are to their teams because I feel like Cat is the most important player on the Timberwolves, and I think Bam might be the second. That's fair. most important. I think, and that's why. And don't get me wrong; have that's why Cat's struggled is because it, it hasn't been because of him. It's been because of the teammates that he's had around him. I mean, and so that's why they've been in the basement for so long. And so, Bam being has been blessed with having Jimmy Butler uh, around him being as being that number one guy and the go-to guy, whatever they needed to be. doesn't mean Bam can't do it. Uh, but I think Bam has been super, super good. And he is another one of those guys that would be perfect for any like, contending team. Like he was two, I mean, two years ago, whenever the heat played the Lakers in the finals. Um, so I, I haven't have him at number four and uh, then I, but, and I feel like he's probably your number three, right? Yes. Um, If you all remember back in Halloween, we broke down a bunch of different fun teams. I think we had our top five bar fight team, top five uh, most frustrating team. We also had our top five life or death team. If you had to pick the five players in the NBA that you would want on your side against the aliens, you know, Space Jam situation, end of the earth, if you don't win, Bam Adebayo was on my top five. I think he has it, whatever it is. I think he has so much charisma, drive to improve. He works perfectly in that environment. He's incredibly competitive. I think he's the best defensive center in the NBA. I think he's better than Gobert because he can he can guard every single position. I mean, he's yep. undersized and he can still guard huge fives and he can guard ones. And yep. I personally think he's really skilled offensively and a good shooter. He just isn't aggressive enough. I'm not sure what that is about him. I think he can take a lot more shots than he does. He's a very good mid-range shooter, very skilled in the post, great off a of pick and roll and pick and pop. Like you said, he doesn't shoot a whole lot of threes. Every now and then, if he's wide open, he will. I think that's the next step in this game. Can he average 20 a night? Um, I think he can. I just think there are too many players in that Heat team. Um, I mean, I think Jimmy Butler is maybe the most important player, but I would say Bam is, in my opinion on that team. And that's the number one team in the Eastern conference. So I think that weighs heavier, more heavily for me than cat does being the most important player in the Timberwolves team. Um, but I mean, a fair point, I think those are kind of interchangeable here. I just really like what Bam does on the defensive end of the floor. And I think it's unmatched in the NBA. No, and I completely agree with you on what he does on defense. Uh, the reason why I have cat at number three is how much he, the different and so like there's there's a reason why I have cat number three and it's because of how much he's gotten better and just be when since being in the NBA and Bam not I'm not saying Bam can't do that and Bam's just younger than Cat uh but Cat has just gotten better like I said he was just such a terrible defender like in the NBA not like three or four years ago uh Mike Carr friend of the show literally and I like would bash Bam I mean Cat just for how bad a defender was like I think there was one year he was like one of the he was the lowest defensive per uh, for centers, like he was just that bad. 
Um, and he was like bottom three with Isaiah Thomas, like when it comes to worst defenders in the NBA. So like he, he, it, that was one year. However, since then he's been serviceable. Like he can't, he can't stay in front of guards. I mean, as well, I mean, especially good ones, um, but he can stay in front of bigs. He can fight with wings. It's just guards that like any, any decent center can't stay in front of. And so it makes sense. His shooting is just ridiculous, and his scoring ability is is incredible. Um, him and Anthony, it, I think he is the most important player to the Timberwolves. You're right. The difference being that the Timberwolves aren't the number one seed in the East. They they're like middle, uh, like play in cross, like play in team on the Western Conference. So there's that is the difference. I just I think I have cat at three, and it's just how it worked. Yeah, I mean that's fair. I think when you're I would argue your point on how they've grown since they came to the league. I would say Bam has had a more impressive growth. Carl Anthony okay. Towns was the number one overall pick in 2015. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say he was expected to be this player, at least somewhat close to this caliber. Bam Adebayo was the 14th overall pick, didn't start for two years. I mean, he was basically seen as a freak at Kentucky who could shop lock, really mobile, and could guard well. They didn't have any idea what he would be offensively and if he could play, you know, 35 minutes in an NBA game. And he proved from day one. I mean, he started 19 games his rookie season, but played in almost every single game. So I think Spolster realized what he had. And obviously he's one of the best player development coaches we have in the league. Yep. And he, you know, he definitely deserves credit too, but I think Bam's rise has been really impressive for me. I didn't expect him to be one of the top two best players on an NBA finals team when he was drafted. Like right. that is an absurd growth for me. I, I love Bam. He's one of my favorite players and that's probably skewing things as well. Cat and him are neck and neck. I, I think you make a fair pick there. Who do you, you're at number two now. Who do you have at number two? Well, we both have the same two and one. I feel like, I feel like I, ho- I really, I really hope so Mitch. Otherwise you might have to, Hop off the pod and fight in between St. Louis and Chicago. Well, I'll meet you in Peoria. Um, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's Joel Embiid. Um, Nicole Jokic is both of our number ones. Um, and the difference between two of them from the two of them for me is durability, uh, playmaking, and then offensive just ability. I don't get me wrong. I think Joel Embiid is an incredible offensive talent. Not as good of a playmaker as as Jokic, of course. I mean, Jokic is top three passer in the NBA, um, and and it's without a doubt. And he's not three; it's him or LeBron, whoever you talk to about it. Um, Embiid is a better defender than Jokic, and that cannot be argued by anyone. However, Jokic has been a has gotten better defending over the past two or three years, especially since they did traded Mason Plumlee. He's like, okay, I guess I have to start trying on defense now. And I, I have to be in like at, at the end of games. Um, I, I, you're talking to a guy who has hated Joel Embiid for his entire career. I have despised the man just because he's a Celtic killer. I have literally gone nights wanting to find trades for big men to guard Joel Embiid. And guess what? There are very, there are three of them and none of them are any sort of surf, I mean, gettable for the Celtics. So I think he is incredible. He is the second most dominant center we've had in the past since Shaq. Him and Jokic have been the mo- two most dominant big men we've had since Shaq. And so 
that he is one heck of an incredible talent. There's a reason why both of them have been MVP candidates now for the past two seasons. However, the difference between them is durability and playmaking. And that's why I have Jokic at number one and, and they're, and why Jokic will be number one because of just how much he's done for this Nuggets team, how well he's carried them this year, which I know you're going to go into anyways, but my point still being that Nikola Jokic is the number one center in the NBA. Go for it. Thank you. I think that was a great summary. Let's talk about the durability point. You brought up that. Um, God. How many games do you think Joel Embiid has played in his most played season? 64. What do you think his peak is? 64. He nailed it right on the head. 64. Yeah. Uh, what do you think Nikola Jokic's least 82. amount of played games Oh, is? least amount? 64. In a full season? 64. 72. So was Nikola that just Jokic last is, season? And that was last <laughs> season. He played every single game and started every single game last year. Joel Embiid not even playing two-thirds of most seasons. I mean – Number one point right there. No ifs, ands, or buts. There's no way you can be the MVP if you are on and off every sing- every other fucking day. That is ridiculous. Number two, playmaking. How many assists do you think Joel Embiid averages per game? We're talking this year or career? What are we talking? Uh, let's go career. Oh, career has got to be like three and a half. Yeah, 3.2. Jokic is double that. Well, Triple-double right. machine. I mean – if you see some of his passes off out of double teams, I mean, he's doing these crazy one-arm wraparounds. Uh, he's doing full-court dimes. Basically a quarterback, seven-foot quarterback out there. Incredible. Now, the last point I want to make, or I guess maybe not the last point, but another point I want to make is the free throws. Now, Joel Embiid, for how talented he is, he's one of the strongest centers in the NBA. Just so thick. He's also really skilled. I mean, he has great footwork. He can shoot a great fadeaway as well, but he relies a lot on getting to the line. And you know that for when he plays your Celtics. I mean, he gets to the line at will in some of those games. He averages nearly 11 free throw attempts a game this year. Now, Nikola Jokic on the other end, you might say he complains a lot, but he's only getting five and a half free throw attempts per game. And trust me, that is not because of the way he plays. He is banging in the post. He is working all the time down low, and he doesn't get he doesn't get calls. So, I mean, that's at least five extra points there for Joel Embiid. Thank you very much. Um, Jokic is the most disrespected reigning MVP in league history by the refs, by other players, maybe not by the coaches. I feel like coaches do respect him. Um, I feel like general managers and front office guys who are so into the analytics probably respect him too. But I think this is ridiculous, the treatment he's gotten. Um, I think he's maybe the most important European big man ever, to be honest. I think Dirk revolutionized the game, right? And you had other guys before him. But in terms of his talent and ceiling on what it means, I mean, if he's a multi- MVP there's never been a European big man like that Dirk won one MVP if not any one yeah it was the year that they lost to the first round of the Warriors too right so I I think he got his award at a YMCA (laughs) that's a funny story uh and I I I love Dirk but I think Jokic is going to go down as the best European big man of all time when he retires and maybe the most important um I mean he is a tough player 
He hates any like lauding. He does not like people to say, oh, are you excited about being a starter in the All-Star game? Like when he found out he was playing video games and like shrugged it off and got back to gaming. Like this dude does not care about personal accolades. He's the ultimate team guy. I don't think Joel Embiid's that way either. So give me the intangibles as well from Nikola Jokic. He's the greatest center in the NBA, should be MVP again now, in my opinion. Um, I know we talked about that a few episodes ago. I said Steph Curry should be. Steph has had a couple bad bad weeks, and I think Nicola's continued to tick on, so I think he should win. But, um, yeah, I don't think I need to continue talking. But, no, Toli Jokic is a better center than Joel Embiid. Thank you very much. You'll find no arguments here. That, that also being the fact that I hate Joel Embiid, but whatever, like I said. Way too many nights of just screaming at a, a TV and computer screen of why we can't start stop Joel Embiid. Our best, the best stopper for Joel Embiid in the Celtics history has been Aaron Baines, which is just Aaron just sad. Rip. Crazy story too, Aaron Baines. Did you read that ESPN story about him? Oh, I did, and and everyone has like retweeted it, and I was like, and every like I've had three people send me like the link to it. I was like, trust me, I've read it. And I've heard I've heard two podcasts already about it. It's it's crazy so no, yeah my, I, my buddy Kaz sent me that story a couple mornings ago and it was fantastic I read it before hopping online to work and it was a really moving story if you're an NBA fan at all you may you may know Aaron Baines you may not you should um, he, he's one of the more less known NBA players had a good stint with the Spurs the Celtics the Raptors a few other teams but uh really go out and read that story on ESPN excellent Excellent story and praying for his continued good recovery. Hope he can make it back to the league. Um, but yeah, Aaron Baines, man. Great story. Absolutely. Well, you know, we talked, we talked about every position and, you know, we felt like it'd only be right that we talk about the guys who like kind of coach these guys. And so we didn't think we'd do top 10. We thought that would be take too long. Uh, but we thought Aaron and I thought about, you know, what are the top five coaches? If you're, if you're getting a team going this year, like starting this year, who are like the top five coaches you want, like coaching your team? And so we kind of came up with this on the spot a little bit more than anything. Um, but we thought we'd talk about that. So Aaron, final time we're doing this for, for the time being, what, who is your, let's give me your like four, I mean, f- four and five, like who are your four and five? All right. My five is Monty Williams. Okay. I put him five just because over the course of his career, he hasn't had superb winning records. Right. But he's also been on pretty shitty situations. I mean, absolutely. Let's let's put that asterisk there. But with this team, like, I mean, he has been such a publicly motivational guy uh, mm-hmm. in taking this team to new heights. A team that has been so bad since Steve Nash left and yeah. the days of uh, D'Antoni and all of those fun Suns teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Monty Williams is number five for me. Nick Nurse number four. Ooh. Raptors are okay this year better than i thought they would be rather we both thought <laughs> uh but i mean he won an nba championship in his first year as a head coach second year yeah yeah it was his first year first year with Kawhi leonard obviously Kawhi had a big big reason to do with that but Just nick nurse is a fantastic coach and that's no more evident than this year uh taking what i think is a subpar roster and making them a playoff contender nick nurse from an x's and o's standpoint probably can't get any better right now in the NBA and he also coached in the state of Iowa in college basketball was a coach at UNI for a couple years so brownie points there for the Iowa former Iowan Nick Nurse there you go well 
My number five is just because I love him and I and he is incredibly old. I understand that. But if I got five good years out of him, I'll take him is Greg Popovich. Um, if I can get a solid squad around Greg Popovich, I I trust him to lead me to a, the promised land. I mean, there's no if there's I just love that man so much. He was one of my favorite coaches growing up and still is. Um, so I have him at number five. Number four, I I also had Monty Williams. Uh I have Monty because I love just what he does. I mean, he is a very much of a player's coach. I mean, everyone loves to play for him. There's a reason why Chris Paul, I mean, wanted to go to Phoenix is because Monty Williams was coaching that team. Um, and so they and they've had a relationship. And so I I like Monty Williams a lot. It's it is a disservice that he did not win. He won it. He won the coach of the year when his coaches, the coaches voted for him, but he did not win the coach of the year voted by the um, voted by the writers. Um, and how Tom Thibodeau won that is still beyond me. But um, Monty Williams is at my four. Uh, Aaron, number three. Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz, former Mizzou coach. Um, I just replaced this. I had somebody else in there, which we can talk about later. Maybe he's on your list, but I had to. Um, I think Quinn Schneider is a great coach. I don't think he's res- <laughs> I don't think he's responsible for any of the Jazz losses. To be honest, in the playoffs, he okay. he owns some share of the responsibilities that coach certainly. But what he puts into that team, the game plan, they're they were way ahead of their time in terms of the analytics of three point shooting. They shoot more threes than anybody in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Higher rate. They have a couple good shooters, yeah, but they don't have any great shooters necessarily. Um, not like it's the Golden State Warriors out here with Stephen Curry no, and Clay Thompson. Right. Um, I mean, they don't have maybe a top five shooter in the NBA. They have a lot of good shooters, but they were way ahead of their time analytically. You make a big man like Rudy Gobert work in that offense. Impressive. Um, and he's one of the best regular season performing coaches in the NBA year in and year out. Yes, I get the playoff blemishes, but I think that's a lot part of the due to the players as well and their uh, performances, specifically Rudy Gobert. I mean, it's really hard for Quinn Schneider, I'm sure, to figure out the role Rudy Gobert should play in the playoffs. You can't not play him when he's a reigning defensive player of the year and he's super important to your team, but he also is a huge liability. Um, So I'm sure that's a really tough situation to navigate, but if you have the right roster in front of him, I think he's a really good head coach. When he came to the Jazz, they were not in a good situation. He made them into the number one seed um, last year top three seed the previous couple years. I think he's a great head coach. Um, and I think he'll continue to make the jazz a great franchise for years to come. Hasn't made it past the second round. That's, that's my only thing. These, these next three guys have made it past the next round, have well, made it to the I, championship. I think I know here. I know at least one person you're going to say, and I'm excited for the counter argument. Um, I mean, three, Donovan, Donovan three. Mitchell, like, his his development of Donovan Mitchell, like oh, I, I'm I'm well aware. Well, I'm well aware of how good a Donovan player Donovan Mitchell is. Yeah, and did features. anybody expect Donovan Mitchell to be that at a Louisville? I think he was going to be like a energetic guy, maybe second, third best player in the team. He's a straight up star. Like we were talking about him as an All Star game starter. Quinn Schneider deserves a lot of credit for that too, and not many championship. I don't think you're saying, can you win a title with Donovan Mitchell as your best player? Maybe. But I, don't, I think I don't, he can be your best player. I don't think Rudy Gobert can be your second best player. There you go. I, I Again, like I don't know what Quinn Schneider can do there. I think part of that is hands are tied. I think if you give him the Warriors roster, 
Oh my gosh. Well, he's winning five me. championships. You're right. But Terry Stotts made it. Terry Stotts made a freaking Western Conference Finals. So I don't want to hear it. Dude, Quinn Schneider couldn't make it. Terry Stotts did. I don't want to hear it. Anyways, is, is Terry Stotts on your list? No, God no. <laughs> I thought you were going to segue into that, no. and I was going to be so dead when you said Terry Stotts number three, not no, even number, an active head coach. <laughs> no, number three is Steve Kerr. Uh, Steve, go. yeah, Steve Kerr is number three. Uh, has he gotten lucky with the fact that he's had the best shooter of all time on his list? Yes. Has he gotten lucky with having the best score of all time on his list? Absolutely. Does that change the fact that people want to go to play to Golden State for the first time ever since Wilt Chamberlain has been on the Warriors? No. So Steve Kerr has been a great – he's quite possibly one of the best player coaches of all time. One Like he has been able to – he somehow got that group of people to work together. So many egos. Now, did it all blunder up in four years? Yes, but guess what? Neither there have been the Chicago Bulls of the late '90s only worked for three years because their their egos all blemished together too. So I don't want to hear it. So great, great runs only last for three years. If you make it past three, if you make it to a championship three years in a row, you're considered a franchise to me. So that he has created a franchise out of the Golden State Warriors, and so yeah, well. Congrats, your GMs and, and ownership has been incredible to you. You're only given the hand you're dealt. And that's the, maybe the same thing with Quinn Snyder, but congrats. Steve Kerr has been handed a great, has been dealt a great hand and he's been, and he's done well with it. He hasn't screwed it up. So, you're right. You're right. I mean, if you're a pilot and you put the plane on autopilot, I mean, hell yeah, Steve Kerr is a great head coach. I think I don't think he's put it on autopilot. I think I don't think you can say I that. I think I think the team. I mean, I think if you put Monty Williams in there, I think they're winning four championships too. I disagree, but well, I think Monty Williams is also a great locker room guy who can bring guys together. I mean, Robert. No, Sarver, I don't. I don't disagree with that. I disagree with how they do it, and I also do. I also think that Steve Kerr is a better X and O's guy than Monty Williams. That's fair. That's fair. I think that I so. I had Steve Kerr off my list. He was my number three, and I deleted Figured. him um, for the man I just named, Quinn Schneider. Wild um, name. <laughs> Steve Kerr is off my list for two reasons. One, Mark Jackson created the situation for him. He don't give Mark Jackson the- any sort of. I am. Don't give. Don't I give am. him that. Mark Jackson built the seeds. He. They had nothing. They had a talented Stephen Curry, who was perceived to be worse than Monte Ellis when he came into the league for the first and second year. He took him, Draymond Green, who was completely unproven and unskilled offensively, and Clay Thompson, who's a raw shooter um, out of Washington State University. He took those three guys and took them in the number six seed a few years after they were all together and beat the number three seed in the Denver Nuggets. Um, and then all of a sudden, Mark Jackson's fired, and Steve Kerr comes in, and they win championships. I agree that Mark Jackson isn't the right head coach to win those championships. You need a different temperament. I agree. But Mark Jackson built the foundation. I don't think Steve Kerr can do that. I don't think I doubt his ability as a player developer. We'll see how James Wiseman turns out. I think that would be a huge blemish on his record. If the number two overall pick who was seemingly one of the most talented centers coming out of the draft in a, a decade is a complete bust. I don't think that's, I think part of that falls on Steve Kerr. I also think number two, the big, I think he failed at keeping Kevin Durant on that team. You listen to the Kevin Durant interview with Draymond Green. They're talking about how they handled it and all that. 
Steve Kerr basically said, like, just beat around the bush for an entire year after that and just didn't address the situation. You needed to address it. You talk, you listen to that Bulls documentary and how Phil Jackson addressed the situation in the locker room after Scottie Pippen refused to go into the game. They addressed it right off the bat and got those demons out there. Steve Kerr decided it was better not to address it. Um, you know, that's his decision. But it sounds like from both Draymond and Kevin Durant's perspective, um, I mean, surely they were mad at each other, but I don't think Steve Kerr handled that correctly. And then they ended up losing that championship as well. Um, so I think he deserves less credit than a lot of people give him credit for. He's won championships, certainly. He deserves some credit for taking that team to the next level from what Mark Jackson created. But I don't think he's a top five coach. If you put him on any other team, um, I don't think he's perceived nearly as as well as he is now. I'm going to correct you on your history of NBA real quick here. Phil Jackson did nothing during that. That was Bill Cartwright. All right. I don't want to hear that. It was Bill it was, Cartwright. It was, it was Bill Cartwright. You're right. Phil, ja- Phil Jackson did nothing. All right. Secondly, I completely get it. The, the, also, you have two of the biggest egos in all of NBA going, I mean, butting heads with one another. You have two, it's a very different situation when it's Tony Kukoc and Scotty Pippen. All right. So it's just, it's very different. So my whole point being is that you have two of the Draymond, you, it's handled a very different situation whenever it's, whenever it's Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. That being said, it, it doesn't sound like it was handled well in any, I mean, either way, either way, you're, you're really just playing with fire. Either you tell them the, make up or you're just letting it sit back and try to figure it out itself so i feel like there is it could have gone bad either way i mean now i'm playing in my head in his situation he was put in a really tough situation anyways because draymond green likes to make drama so that's fair so my number two moving on i'm wait hold on who's your number two then i'm so confused my number two is nick nurse um like you said, took the Raptors to the NBA Finals his his first year as a coach. Yes, Kawhi Leonard has a little help with that. Ever since then, they haven't missed the playoffs. They haven't missed the playoffs since he's been a head coach, and which has been wild to me. And is it, it just shows how well of a good X's and O guy he might be the most overdramatic coach in all of NBA history. That doesn't change the fact that he also gets the most out of his players, and he has had great player development. He's had done a great job. I mean, Scotty Barnes has been such an important part to this team. OG Ananobi has grown so well. Uh, Pascal Siakam, given how much crap I give him, still is, is a great NBA player. And Fred Van Vliet is great. So he has built a team that I did not expect to win more than 30 games this year to be in a play-in playoff contention. And so it's it's great. It's And it, it hurts me to say it because they're a division rival, but he has been an incredible coach and so it's tough to see him just like do so well but it's i have to respect it with how well he's done yeah nick nurse is awesome i talked about him earlier four um totally with you there i had popovich here at number two um i think he was your number five i mean maybe the most decorated nba coach of all time outside of phil jackson yeah um, what he did with those teams and Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, David Robinson, Tony Parker was fantastic. You don't get any more of a team centric championship run than that. Mm-hmm. I think those guys, the sum of the parts, um, you know, was 
was much more than some of these teams that you see now that are so driven by individual stars. Like that was truly a team. And I think Popovich deserves a lot of credit for that. He's been thrown a ridiculous situation right now with that roster. Um, But he's a great player development coach too. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, you look at him as a case study. He, he was coming out of San Diego State University as a great defender and an average, if not below average, offensive player. And he's turned into a top five player in the NBA when healthy on right. both ends of the floor. Incredible. I mean, he ended up being the most important player when they beat the Heat. Uh, and they had Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Monty Ginobili on that team. And that was only a few years after he came into the league. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, his player development's been great. That's evident in DeJounte Murray, who we mentioned earlier, and many other guys you can keep going on. I mean, he's a great head coach. It's definitely in the twilight of his career at this point, but he deserves to be top five. I had him a bit higher, maybe just on the historical part of things. If you're talking about current performance, um, obviously he's a bit lower, but I got up number two just out of respect for Pop. So oh, makes, makes makes sense. And I had already talked about how much I loved him too, and I was just mostly thinking about if I'm like creating a team, how how much longer would I have Pop? So, yeah, that's fair. Just, so um, I'm really hopeful we both have to say number one. It'd be really sad if I we did. We do. I'd like to think so uh, because he's a top ten coach all time, and it's Eric Spolstra. Um, it can I just list off like things? That Go I'm, ahead. I'm going crazy here because it's all in my head because I've had these arguments with people already. If you don't think he's a top ten coach all time, you're nuts. All right, he's. He's a better coach than Don Nelson. All right. Don Nelson's also the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. So I don't want to hear it. Eric Spolstra has not has only had one season where he's been below 500. He's had one season where he's at 500 as a as a winning when it comes to winning in the, in the season. He has been to five NBA champ five NBA finals. Yes, four of them were with LeBron James. That also helps. But to how much he had to cultivate with those different I'm a big ego guy. If you can handle egos, congrats. But also when you can handle egos and have X's and O's like he does, incredible. His story is awesome. Being a video, I mean, everyone knows it at this point. If you've watched NBA in the past 10 years, congrats. You you know that Eric Spolster story of him watching videos for Pat Riley and then breaking down the film. <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that he has now been a successful coach every year he's been in the NBA. He has created such a culture for players to come down and want to play there. He somehow swindled Jimmy Butler to come down there when they had zero things going on and created them a NBA finals team. I it's, it's wild to me. And it, it changed the whole idea of who Jimmy Butler was after people thinking he was a bad teammate only for him to be shown off. He's like, Hey, I'm a good teammate. It's just like, I'm push I push people differently. And yeah. he it's, is incredible. He is one of my favorite people just to watch like on a sideline, just because he is very even keel. But whenever he does get emotional, it's in the right moments. It is very, it is like the very much of a middle ground between Brad Stevens and Nick nurse. And so I've just seen that middle ground is just great. Um, I like Eric Spolster a lot. I hated just the fact that he was coaching LeBron, but you have to respect to just how well he, how well, how good of a coach he is. Give him 10 more years. He's going to have the all-time coach rec- winning coach record. I mean, all-time wins for a coach record. And he's going to pass Don Nelson. Don Nelson having that record is be- wild to me. But Don Nelson also coached 30 years. And it's 
if he that's yeah, whatever anyways that's my whole spiel about eric spolstra as the number one coach and he should be he should be everyone's coach they want to play for for the next 10 years yeah i mean the point you made alone is his ability to work with different rosters mm-hmm. um and like you said earlier with other coaches you got to work with the hand that you're dealt and i don't think anybody's done that better than eric spolstra yep. you've been able to make it work with three nba all-stars and arguably the best player of all time on the same team for multiple years and not have any crazy stuff happen. Like we don't, we hate each other. You know, none of that was coming out of the heat locker room. It was basically Mm -hmm. the only concern was year one. Like we got to figure things out. We don't know how to play together yet, which was understandable. And then you had a few championship losses. So I do hold that a bit on Spolstra, but then his ability to work with a team that basically has nothing, as he said, he's had, no season under 500 and he's taking a team with Jimmy Butler as his best player to the NBA finals. Incredible. Um, he's a great head coach. I think he might break the all-time record. I don't see why he doesn't coach for 10 more years. I mean, Pat Riley, hell he was coaching until he was like, looked like he was 80. I don't know how old he is in now, but, um, I think Spolstra is in great shape and feels like he could be coaching at least 10 more years with that team. And as you said, he's built a culture. I mean, part of that is Pat Riley. Pat Riley's in the front office. He started out as a head coach there right before he moved to the front office as well and won that last championship with Dwayne, first championship with Dwayne Wade um, in 2006 with Shaq. Um, That was a great season as well. But I think Spolstra is best coach in the NBA and might be top 10 all time when it's all said and done. Oh, he's already top 10 all time. And (laughs) I, I I mean, there, there shouldn't be debate about that. Um, did, I mean, I'm sure you knew this, but did you know like Pat Riley was in was like in like front office, and then like they fired Stan Van Gundy mid season, only for him to lead them to that championship in 2006. Say that one more time. So Pat Riley, when they won that title in 2006, yeah, they fired Stan Van Gundy mid year, and then That's he led right. them. And then Pat like Riley so, said, let, yeah, he said let let me coach this team. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah, like, he coached for like the next two or three years, and they handed it off to Spolstra. I mean, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I just like throwing any Pat Riley facts out there too. I mean, I'm a big Pat Riley fan as well. Yeah. Me too. Top five coach of all time. Um, so um, talk about dealing yeah. with egos. Holy shit. Oh my God. Well, Lakers, Knicks. <laughs> congrats. That's you dealt with three Miami, of the big <laughs> New yeah. York, LA, no shortage of distractions in those cities. For no, some not at all. Athletes of all time. Yeah, you have, you have two of the biggest, two of the biggest media centers in all. I mean, in all the world. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. Well, anyways, that's been our top ten centers, and then our um, top five coaches. Which, my lord, we got contentious there with number three, but whatever. Um, we will come right back. Quinch We're gonna Schneider, do. A- baby. No, God, Mizzou made sure. Um, we're gonna we'll be right back. We're we're gonna have a little cereal and brews when we come right back. Well, we're back, and it's ten forty-five on a Saturday night, and we are just chugging some beer at this point. I mean, I mean, I'm chugging Mick Ultras. Um. But we uh, we have some cereal and brews, and we're just catching up. I mean, it's been two weeks since we've kind of like talked, um, and Aaron's dealing with some big city issues. Man, what it's like to live in a big city and have to deal with what you're dealing with. So, Aaron, 
give us your rant of how bad Chicago parking is. Yeah, Chicago parking. I love you, but I hate you, particularly during the winter time. Now, anybody who lives in a big city and parks in the street probably understands this. Like, you come home from getting groceries and you're circling around for 20 minutes because you don't have a reserved spot and you're trying to find a spot. And then you find a spot, but it's like 20 blocks away and you're, <laughs> you continue to look. But it's even worse in the winter because nobody moves their car. They're so damn stubborn and lazy that they won't scoop out, shovel out the snow from their spot and go anywhere. So it's just impossible to find a spot. Um, and when you do find a spot, it's snowed in. So the last couple of days has been interesting. We left today, Madison and I, to go downtown, which was a blast, but coming back was a hassle. I ended up um, going into a spot that had a bunch of snow in it, basically parking really shittily because I couldn't get any control of my tires on the snow, and then shoveling out my car from there and then reparking. So it was a good spot as it pertains to my location of my apartment, but it was such a pain in the ass. Uh, I really miss having my spot in my old apartment. Um, I mean, I'm paying so much less money, like like way less money than I was at my old place. I was paying right. $200 a month for an alley spot. Right. Albeit it was reserved, but like it was an outdoor spot in an alley. Like Boy. it wasn't necessarily the nicest spot. No. For $200. <laughs> now I'm paying essentially like $10 a month. So it's still like worth the hassle, but it, man, is it a hassle? So I just really had to call that out. I'm sure there are some people who are sympathetic to that if they live in a big city and park on the street. But um, yeah, I'm excited for spring. So I don't have to do this shit anymore. It's getting Dude, annoying. I, I I applaud you for how well you had to park in that alley parking spot at your old place. Cause that was just brutal with how tight, like narrow that whole thing, that whole situation was. So I applaud you for that. Well, and also I'm not looking forward to like moving into a smaller, like a smaller city like St. Louis um, and hoping, hoping that there is like parking just on the premises and not having to worry about that. So um, that is one of the, like, I need to have whenever like I'm yeah. fighting, like when I'm looking at places downtown. So I feel that a lot. Yeah, no, it's going to be at my next apartment going to be a need. I mean, I think we, bit the bullet on this just because of the location and it was some semi-affordable and all that and great apartment but um yeah parking is tough during the winter i mean i have shoveled and i have this little shitty like it's not a it's not a great shovel by any means it gets the job done and it's not like it's gonna i feel like it's gonna break but it's not the best shovel and it's kind of short so i'm really having to squat down there and work and uh, it's tough. I really enjoy shoveling too, so it's kind of ruining my fun of that. You're a madman for you were you and Logan Ball just enjoyed the little things about like taking oh, yeah. care of like that kind of stuff. You gotta take also, in that. also just um, I I don't know what shovel you have, but I'm already imagining it just how a fit like how like conservative you are on those kind of things. So, <laughs> oh no. I, yeah, it's like it's got the extendable. Like it starts out really, sm- and then it, like you can twist it and extend it, and then oh yeah, so it. you just really did not bite the bullet at all buying a shovel. <laughs> I don't need a ginormous freaking metal shovel. Like I want to put it in my car, so it okay. needs to fit in my car for one. I'm not gonna lug it in my from my apartment to my car. Um, That's so that, that was that was a big need for me. It needs to fit in my car, and I didn't need to spend a whole lot of money because. 
typically I'm not driving my car a ton. That's um, fair. But I mean, it gets the job done. It's just hilarious because I'm having to get really low to the ground and I'm here slaving away while people are walking their dogs, not moving their fucking car. And I'm shoveling out their car in the process, uh, basically. So, yeah. Oh, man. And honestly, I feel like it falls most on the, the drivers in Chicago than it does yeah. the city. I mean, the city's doing their best. But ugh. anyways, Chicago parking. No, dude, I, I, I'm also, I have PTSD driving in snow. I can't do it. Like I, I hate <laughs> driving in snow so much. So like there were flurries going around this week and I was like, God, I hate this. And so like, I, I, I was getting to work, I was heading to work and it was, I can drive in snow. I just hate doing it. It just, it, uh... long story short, I hit a cop one time, like driving in snow. And so <laughs> it, it just, it just, just ruined any sort of, and like I totaled my car and it just, it was just a real crap situation. So I just, I try to avoid that at all costs. So, well, while you're dealing with crappy issues with snow, I'm grinding through the month of movies. Um, if any, if you've been listening to this podcast, you realize how much I've watched movies uh, update. I'm at 45 this month. Um, no, there's a no. caveat to that with having uh, COVID at the beginning of it, but I've watched 45 movies. Uh, it's been crazy, but I watched this past week. I watched the best movie I've seen this year um, outside of like uh, Spider-Man. Um, but if anyone hasn't seen this yet, Aaron, I don't know if you have uh, Luca, Luca on Netflix, on uh, Disney plus. No, just Luca. Okay. Just Luca. Um, it is an animated Disney movie. I don't want to spoil it anything because it's just such a good movie. I rated an 8.4 out of 10. It was really good. It was my uncle Eric's like favorite movie of all of 2021. It came out. It was just a Disney plus movie. Um, it is really good. I recommend it to everyone to go watch it. Um, so do that. Another movie I watched, which I watched today, uh, called Stardust, uh, has a Disney feel to it um at my old job at the container store someone had recommended it to me and i finally just got around to watching it um it's on netflix has very much of a disney like vibe uh like princess and like just fantasy kind of things going on but it it was really good and i recommend that to everyone i gave that a seven eight so i two very good movies this week that just had similar vibes is luca animals or people both okay like there's a like spoil well the main characters animals or people both okay i'm confused all right well because the main character is a fish that like there are sea monsters that turn into humans whenever they go on land what the hell all right just watch the trailer it's really good dude just don't hate on it already (laughs) this is gonna be that uh Oh God! What was your Surfs Up or whatever the hell movie, you dude? Watched? If but Surfs Surfs Up is incredible. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best penguin movie out there. I don't want to hear it. March of the Penguins, Happy Feet, better than Happy Feet. Oh my God, Happy Feet is so overrated. March of the Penguins, great documentary. On that's penguins. not that I I don't count that then. <laughs> don't great, count it. Great I movie, man. Saw I, it in I, theaters I, at the IMAX. I, I was like, I did. What? I did too. And I, I was, I was so bored. <laughs> no, I, my surf of course took, took me to see that movie. If you, oh, if you had did. to be Mr. Carter had <laughs> to be, no, I think, uh, who took me? Oh, it was my grandma and grandpa who took me to go see March of the Penguins. And I, I'm not kidding you. As like a, whatever, what did it come up? We were like eight ADHD Mitchell probably would 
not like that movie. <laughs> Hated that. It's like, where's the, where's the, when's the next shark attack? I was like, <laughs> oh my god! I was like, I want some action so here. But no, I see a penguin waddling through the freaking tundra of the Arctic because he can't get a freaking egg to his wife. Good lord, get over yourself! <laughs> oh man! But no, oh, no, sir. Right. Don't hate on surfs. Up. Don't hate up on surfs either. I mean, great soundtrack. Very underrated soundtrack. I've heard that way too many damn times. It's like, oh, dude, I know. Ugh, we'll we'll be at a party and Mitchell throws out some surfs up music. It's like, no nah, man, this ain't the vibe. I, it I, is I, the vibe every I, time. I, it is the vibe. I know you want to dance, but you don't have to play surfs up. <laughs> so we we were talking about that this week. Like, what are what is like your like go to thing at a party? And like people were talking about, uh, yeah, we're the type who plays like all the card games, or, like drinking games and stuff like that. I was like, dude, I'm just the guy who just awkwardly dances like the entire freaking time, <laughs> and it's That's beautiful. True. It's beautiful, but it's beautiful awkward. It is beautiful awkward. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't rip your pants anytime soon. Okay, one time, one wedding, and it's just all over after that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all right. Well, we thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We love uh, just hearing from you guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hooper's Almanac. You can also find us on. I mean, if you're listening to us, you're listening to us on Spotify. Don't know how else you're listening to us if you're somehow blackmail it marketing this um tell us how so we can figure that out too um you can hit that top you can hit that bell up in the top corner and that way you can be notified whenever you're uh list, find a new episode or a new episode comes out like this one it's gonna come out on a monday i mean when we usually post these on tuesdays or if you're like last week we don't have an episode you're just gonna be really disappointed i'm so sorry about that it's my fault um like i said if you always say if you want to get in touch with us reach out to us at hoopers.almanac at gmail.com uh, truth be told, haven't looked at that email in probably three weeks. So um, I'm going to see if there's anything there at the end of this episode, at the end of this recording. Um, we love you guys. Hope you're doing well. Um, and uh, Boston Celtics, stop going one and two each week, please. Thank you. And have a good one. Bye.